1: Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Yes. Alrighty, so this... this... No, you go. No, you're not going to talk? Oh, Keegan is mute now. So this week, we are going to talk about children and gender and kind of the different stages from, um, you know, what children go through even while they're not born yet. What's the word I'm looking at? When they're... In utero, all the way through teens, how our gender stereotypes affect children and
0: things like right, that. Right, yes.
1: Wow, kind that was of, like the worst way I could have described it's it It's kind of like
0: gender politics, yeah. right? Like, um, going into the ways in which gender shape who we become throughout our childhood into adulthood. Thank you
1: for saying that so much more eloquently <laughs> than me. I'm like, I'm just going to say words and hope that people understand what I'm saying. We got it, we so got it. So, I kind of like got this idea for an episode for two reasons. One of them being seeing a lot of gender reveal parties online and two, um, being very fascinated by living outside of the pink and blue when we raise our children. And something for me, because I work with children, it's very interesting for me to see um, how they behave and how they try to conform to certain societal gender constructs. So, Kind of learning about why that might be, what's affecting that, and how we can be more aware of how we're interacting with our children when it comes to gender, I think is really fascinating.
0: Yeah. So I would really like to kick off this episode kind of starting with gender reveal parties. Yes. Um, because this is a big part of it for me. Most of my notes are on this. Mm-hmm topic because I find it so strange. Like, yeah. gender reveal parties are interesting to me because it's like, the harder you think about them, the weirder they are.
1: Well, and I just want to preface it all, too, with saying what a gender reveal party is Because gender reveal parties, they do not reveal the gender of a child. They reveal the the anatomy. The anatomy of a child, yes. The physical anatomy of a child. They should be called sex reveal parties because they're they're not, they they reveal the biological sex of a child. Yes. Um, And I also just want to say that I am coming at this with a non-judgmental stance. I personally don't like them. They skeeve me out a little bit. I would not have one for myself. But I'm also not judging those who do it. Right. Because I I understand the excitement about learning something about your child, getting your friends together. They all want to know more about the child that's coming into the world. Yeah. I get that. I I do want to
0: really emphasize that um, we are not coming from a place of judgment as Mm -mm. far as like I... Get it. I understand that there are so few things that you can actually know about your child before you. And you 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 want to know
1: as much as you can.
0: Yeah. So I understand. I understand it, and I'm not shaming anybody who has had gender reveal parties who want to do that again. um, I'm with you as far as I feel like it is not something that I would do personally for myself for a variety of reasons.
1: I, I feel like I would even have a hard time attending. I feel like it, the, I would go
0: for a friend for a friend or a family member yeah. if, if they invited me. If it was
1: like a close friend or family member, I think I would. But, but, but you know how we, we always talk about the lines that we that we right yeah they're personal lines. And I think it's I again I really think it's because I work with children too that I have a lot of knowledge about that kind of stuff, and I have such a strong um, ideology of how I raise children that I work with it that it goes be... against what I believe in as far as uh, perpetuating stereotypes. I
0: could see myself attending. I think it would be something that I would not be able to join in with the um, culture of... Exactly. Because a lot of it is rooting a team girl, team boy mentality that I really don't think that I could get into. Well, and I also
1: think that the more facts that people learn about gender, but also about... um, Intersex children right. and how common it Absolutely. is, and the different things that go along with creating a child and creating uh, their sex and what that means. I think that the more people know, the more that they can draw that line for themselves of what right. they and, want. And it to should do. be said that, like, gender reveal parties are a fairly new phenomenon. Very you new, know, yeah.
0: Um, they did not really exist before social media. I think that they're very much a social media phenomenon. If you Need some clarification as to what gender reveal parties are. <laughs> Typically, it is um a couple will go to the doctor. The doctor will find out the biological sex of a baby. They will write it down, put it in an envelope or something. Yeah, give it back to the parents. The parents will not look at it. They'll give it to a third party, and yeah. then the third They'll, party will do something a with balloon
1: it. guy, a cake maker right. Uh, whatever. And I mean, the first I mean, at first it was like the cake. It was the slice, right? And the cake. You open it
0: up; it's either pink and or blue it's on the pink inside, or blue. and exactly. it's you. Now things are getting bananas. Crazy people are doing all kinds of
1: crazy <laughs> shit. Have you seen the video where the mom is on the way to the gender reveal party, and she's got like other kids running out behind her, and this kid takes like a dart or something sharp and just throws it at the balloon, and it like blue bursts out, and like the security camera catches it. Have you seen that? No. Oh, it's so funny, and the mom's just like. Have, have you seen
0: the one where the mom dyed her hair and didn't know, like, what the hair dye was? Oh, God. So, and, until, like, you know, the hair dye, like, settled or whatever, okay, and she if, washed it out, if, and she's like, oh, my gosh,
1: it's blue, I'm having a boy. If I were about this, that would be the way that I would go about it. Oh, my God. It. I'd be like, dye my hair. <laughs>
0: um, but I'm just so, like, I, I get it, I get the excitement, so I don't want to shame anybody Exactly, for that, so
1: we are prefacing with that, but, um... This type of party is really working against the progress that we've really made for gender and excuses for corporations to make more money. Oh, absolutely. And most of what we're talking about when it comes to toys we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about, you know, pink and blue and how that all started and defining colors to gender. And a lot of that has to do with manufacturers and them wanting to make more money and knowing that this is a niche that they can...
0: Well, a lot of Go this from. stuff is like when I was researching this, I was talking to my coworker, and we were talking about um you know there's the wedding industrial complex, which we all know, which is yeah. like you can charge four hundred dollars more for a photographer when it's a wedding photographer, yeah, even though it's it could be the same photographer who takes other types of pictures, exactly. right, just because the word "wedding" is associated with it, yeah, and I feel like because of Have social you media experiencing that. Oh, I mean, of course. Like any yeah. any time you look at anything yeah. for weddings, like it's if crazy. you were to rent out a banquet hall for a party, it would cost different for the same number of people mm-hmm. than if you said, "Hey, I want to
1: rent this out for a wedding." Yeah, I remember when Arielle was getting married, we had a long discussion about that because she was talking about how, as soon as she mentioned wedding, it was like stars danced. Oh behind God, their yeah, eyes. They because like, they know woo, they can signs. charge you so
0: much more. Yeah, um, and. So, because of social media, I think that's be that that started to happen with children, uh-huh. um, and this entire it's a money making machine, right? Like not only like gender reveal parties, but all of these other social media trends that have to do with children, yeah, uh, specifically like. And I think that they're cute. Listen, I think that they're cute. Whenever each month as your child gets older, you're like, one month, baby likes spinach and, like, fucking whatever. Um, But And they get older and older and, like, you do that every month. And I think that that's very cute. It's a way to track, you know, the way that your kid is growing. That I
1: will probably be guilty of doing stuff like that. It's cute. And I I
0: think so, too. I think that that's one that I actually like. But these trends, because of this these companies have been able to make and package all these new things that didn't exist 20 years ago. They can sell kits that are like one month, up to, you know, one number up to 12 months and a little thing that you can write on, you know, it's changed the way we look at that. Exactly.
1: Well, Carly Geisler, PhD, says we're affixing a label on a child who hasn't even had a chance to enter the world and assume that identity. One in every 1,000 to 1,500 children are born with a visible form of difference of sex development neither being male or female, which I think is also intersex. That is intersex. So yeah, what I had was, according to the United Nations,
0: 1.7% of children born yeah. are born with intersex traits, meaning that their genitalia does not fit neatly into a male or female category. Right. And
1: this this statistic that I had, if they say the broader definition of DSD, it puts this, the statistic in 1 to 100 children, which I found really fascinating. Mm-hmm. So if you think about that, a school of children... How many can have different chromosomes right. have a different level of hormone Right, have different genitalia than what they are perceiving to the world Right, and that's biology that's yes. not because you
0: can sit here all day and say like there are only two genders you know people who like to make those arguments even yeah. though that's blatantly false I mean you can sit here all day and say those things but yeah. you cannot argue that intersex exists and exists and what that means it yeah. is scientific fact yeah. there is no argument to be had. And these gender reveal parties in general don't allow for that. They don't allow for a biological fact. fact. Exactly.
1: (laughs) And to kind of jump forward to teenagers, 150,000 teens in America identify as transgender. Mm -hmm. If I were trans and I were trying to assume that identity for myself that I've always known that I was and look back on photos of my parents being so happy that I was a girl or, you know, a boy Mm -hmm. or things like that, it it really would take a toll on me in a way. You know what I mean because it's like I feel like, you know, I I got a comment after I talked about um Marsha P Johnson where mm-hmm. I said the name that she had before she was Marsha. Her dead name. Her dead name. And so I feel like in a way it would it would make me feel like my parents were yearning for what they had still. Does that make sense? Right, yes. It would it, be a
0: painful memory to it, have you. It does. I, and I was actually, when I was, you know, looking into this, because gender reveal parties are so largely a social media phenomenon and we don't know what it is like to have grown up completely having our lives documented literally from our ultrasounds forward yeah. on social media but I mean
1: I'm an only child I've got quite a bit right. <laughs> but but no social, social media, media and iPhones are completely different it did yeah. not
0: exist when we were children so you know the day our parents went and got an ultrasound that had a picture of us in utero we can't just that see didn't that. go up yeah. on social media the day it happened you know what i mean and so Going forward, there will be a future of children whose lives are completely documented from the time they were conceived, essentially, to the time that they are now. And they can go back and look at their gender reveal party, Facebook-lived, you know, and see that. And I do wonder what that's going to do, especially as we move into a more gender-fluid future, will it even itself out because everyone I'm, will be more gender fluid or I'm will hoping, it still be difficult
1: i'm hoping that 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 child will be able to look back and see it as what it was at the time yeah and not have that be something that makes them feel lesser than at the time right um because it's true the parties really do celebrate a very binary way of thinking and w- we're going to talk a little bit about um In, like, the 40s and 50s when pink and blue for boys and girls really started on the rise, the baby boomers are the ones that they grew up with that. Right. Mm -hmm. And we're still kind of edging out of that. And it's interesting because we do live in a world where, you know, you and I talk all the time about um, gender fluidity and intersectional feminism where we're in this very knowledgeable world, I feel like, that it's interesting to still – to have one little section still be so – Far back, like well, I feel like that would have been really popular back in the fifties if they had had that technology. It,
0: it's going to read as very archaic very quickly. I yeah. feel like it will not age well. Um, yeah, but the parties, parties they
1: they're allowing the adults to recuperate these ideals and stereotypes of right. their children. Well, and there was also the something
0: I I read about how. These traditions, these new traditions that we have implemented, gender reveal parties, things of that nature, is trying to recapture the mysticism of pregnancy. Because Mm -hmm. things have become so clinical, we can learn the biological sex of a baby in the womb. We can learn all kinds of things. Whereas it used to be you couldn't really learn anything. And there was this yeah. kind of mysticism around pregnancy where it was just like, oh, if it's sitting high, it's a boy. If it's sitting low, yeah. it's a girl or whatever. Um, that doesn't exist anymore. So there is a theory that these, like, gender reveal parties where you get all of your loved ones together and develop this, like, tribe or community um, and and do this, this thing, it, it revives this, like, mysticism, this magic of yeah. pregnancy, which I get. I, I get understand I was going to say, I
1: totally get that. I... For me, when I get pregnant one day or when I decide to have a baby, I think that I would leave the knowledge of the sex to my baby daddy, (laughs) me, maybe like our close intimate family. I don't want to have a baby shower that's full of pink and glitter and tutus for a girl. And I don't want to have a baby shower if it's a boy full of... Trucks and whatever yeah. and sports. I, I don't think I would want to know. I don't think I want to know. I think, um, and there is a part of me that doesn't want to know. But then there's also, like I said in the beginning, you want to know as much as you can right. about this no, truck because I, you I, love I totally, them and you're excited. I totally you know, understand hard. that.
0: But for me, like maintaining the mysticism of of pregnancy and that kind of magic of pregnancy is for me personally not yeah. knowing. I think maybe that, like, I would
1: start out not knowing, but I feel like knowing myself. In two hours, I'd be like, "Doctor, tell me." <laughs> and I, also, I to know.
0: I also think that there's absolutely nothing wrong no,
1: with isn't. wanting to
0: find out the biological sex of your child. It has nothing. But I feel like
1: what we just said is what's, what you just said is what's important. You're figuring out the biological sex right. of your child. It, Do, it's important for us to not make assumptions of who this child is going to be in the future based on their anatomy. Right. So,
0: with that said, there was a Huffington Post article where a woman named Marty Seeroy. Or C- C- Roy? Yeah. Um, I yeah. I read about her. Yeah, she's a mother and a therapist who works with parents of transgendered kids, uh-huh. and she wrote, children will reveal their own gender identity and or expression at some point along the way, whether that is cisgendered, gender nonconforming, gender created, agendered, gender fluid, or gender queer, and that gender is totally separate from romantic or sexual attraction. Yep. Um, there are essentially, like, three varying factors that make up, that make them up as, like, a human being in that sense okay. and that's gender identity, gender expression and sexual attraction and they're three important but separate things that exactly. your child will eventually express on their own
1: but what we're also going to talk about is how difficult it is in society because of peer groups stereotypes and peer pressure well right because for children to discover that at a young age
0: so you having a gender reveal party could affect their comfortability.
1: Yes. Right. In
0: being able to express that to you. They're gonna come to this conclusion on their own one way or, or another. Yeah. So the only thing that you're doing by having um by pushing these gender stereotypes on them is making it potentially more difficult.
1: Agreed. For them
0: to come forward and talk to you about this. Yeah. And again, finding out the biological sex of your child isn't isn't a big deal if you wanna do that, but just keep in mind that there are other factors and all of the other factors are separate from each other. Exactly. Because you could be trans and still be, you know, I know a lot of people talk about how Caitlyn Jenner is now with a woman. Yeah. And they're just oh, like, I don't understand. Yeah. yeah. And they like don't understand it. Because
1: your gender doesn't change your sexuality. No. No. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to start getting into a little bit of the pink and blue, and we can still revert back to any of your notes that you have on gender reveal parties. So in the late 1800s, both boys and girls actually wore white dresses for two reasons, because dresses are easy to just hike up, change a diaper, and for the inevitable exploding diaper which I've seen too we've many We've Well, we've not all experienced it, but if you've worked with small children, you've experienced yeah. it. The, the white clothing was easy to bleach and mm-hmm. clean and then just put it back on. Everything's good. Also, at the time, fabrics were not... Like, color fabrics were not easy to be cleaned and keep color. So for a baby, you're not going to want to color because you're going to be washing it so often, things like that. So it was very practical. And it was all white. So... Originally, pink was seen as a stronger and more masculine color, while blue was seen as being dainty. Now, I told the six-year-old yesterday this, and he had such a reaction. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. That's disgusting. Don't tell me that. Because he can't, he's revolted by pink. Revolted by pink. And I'm like, you can't gender color. I just, like, screamed at him after. But, but we have. But like, we have. I know. It's i so strange. I'm, I yeah. remember
0: when we were in middle school and high school there was an entire th- there was an entire thing where um that was the time of the metrosexual, right? Like the yeah. early 2000s was a time when we created this idea. It was before we were all kind of like gender fluid and sexually fluid. Yeah.
1: The metrosexual was a straight guy who still, you got know, got
0: manicures, liked to get facials, did things yeah. that were traditionally feminine, um and we were we were kind of it was like the queer eye guy, right? Yeah. It was like a straight guy who, you know, Liked to to take care of himself essentially, Basically. and we called that a metrosexual. Yeah. And at the time of the metrosexual, just <laughs> so stupid. Looking back, it's so dumb. Yeah, there was this whole trend of real men wear pink. Do you yeah. remember that? Yes. Um, because it was trying to like, I'm so secure in my sexuality that I can wear this girly
1: color. So yeah. like, we've gendered. We've gendered these colors. We have, and I know, but I'm... For me, it's like, I'm like, stop gendering colors. That's my Yeah, no, mind. it's so done. You know, especially for a young boy. It I'm doesn't like, no, make sense. No, stop, don't do this. So, actually, there was an article in Ladies Home Journal in 1918 that said, The generally accepted rule is pink is for boys, blue for girls. The reason being that pink is a more decide- decided and stronger color for the boys, while blue, which is more delicate and dainty, is prettier for the girl. But later, they also said... That blue was more flattering for blondes, pink was more flattering for brunettes, blue was more flattering for blue eyes, and pink for brown eyes, which is, like, a weird baby stylist kind of thing where it's, like, you want to make your cha- your, bi- your little infant look their best. You want her to be a hot baby? Like... <laughs> you want that a reminds sexy me baby in friends where she's like I'm going to be a baby stylist. <laughs> oh my god, it it like okay, weird. But what's interesting is that there is a theory that's gone around that I've heard about a million times that I want to look into with this episode that Hitler feminized pink. So, this have you never heard this? No. Oh my gosh, I've heard it so many times before. So, Back in World War II, you would wear... Obviously, we know that Jewish people would wear the yellow star. Mm -hmm. There were also different color identifications that different people would have to wear. Green was associated with, like, a political criminal. Uh, Purple was associated with a Jehovah's Witness. And a pink triangle was associated with the homosexuals, which I know is not a politically correct term today. That's what it was called back then. So... Some people say that because he chose for that to be pink, that that in turn feminized it. But we also don't we don't see green as criminal. You know, t- we do see it in a lot of villains and things like that, but you don't look at purple and think of a Jehovah's Witness.
0: I think it's interesting the things that stick. It's yeah. all—it's always like that. There are just, like, a few things in society that will, like, play right. and stick. Well, because and there's fact
1: also- to it, but it doesn't mean that that's the reason that it was well, feminized.
0: I think it also possibly goes to speak um, to our hyper masculinity, toxic masculinity culture that maybe the reason why once pink was associated with homosexuals or or feminized that these like hyper hyper masculine, hyper um toxic masculinity bros were just like, oh no no, it will forever be associated with that and like no homo. Where they don't have
1: the same problem with Jehovah's Witnesses
0: or yeah. criminals
1: necessarily, so that makes it won't sense. cling to them. Yeah, I feel like there could be some truth to it, but I don't think that's the base reason for it um in the 40s is when manufacturers settled that pink would be for girls and blue would be for boys and like i said earlier baby boomers were raised as such why though i don't like, know do we know why i couldn't i couldn't find it but i mean maybe at the time suddenly it's it changed their minds i don't know i didn't say, And nothing that i read explained why i just know that it shifted um in the 70s during the women's liberation Unisex baby clothes got really, really popular, but then pink and blue came back during the eighties. So um, shocking, yeah, right. <laughs> like, so of course it came back during the eighties. Yeah, this was really big for manufacturers because if a family already had a son, they bought everything blue. The whole nursery was blue. It was blue clothes, blue everything. Well, what if their next child is a daughter? Oh right, you got to repaint everything. All new stuff. They mm-hmm. got had to get everything new. So, this was a, a really big way for I feel like this is probably like the birth of like this baby buying culture where everybody's like it has to be so gender specific,
0: you know? Right. Well, yeah, um we live in a capitalist society and uh-huh to make money that's that makes sense they're going to do what they need to do to make money it's very similar to like the beauty industry it's like they're going to play on your insecurities to get you to buy money exactly. or to buy money to buy products <laughs> I want to buy I money I would love to buy
1: money um, <laughs> can I give you a dollar for a hundred that's yeah. great thanks um, so another way that this is really implemented is with the toys that we give our children and it was really interesting for me to read some of like the research and biology behind that uh, research says that it is not as easy as switching toys for your child. Because for me, in my mind, I'm like, well, just give your child both things. Give them a baby doll and a truck. You know, like, let them choose what they want to do. But some studies are saying that children are very perceptive at a very young age about Oh, the absolutely. They'll turn their... like Little girls will make their trucks be a family and little boys will start banging their heads dolls against the wall, you know, or using them as guns, you know, different things like that. So there are some arguments that a lot of it is biological. I feel like mm. if there is a biological aspect to it that it would be more of an evolutionary biology kind of thing rather than just the way that we are made right
0: well i didn't look into this specifically as far as like finding the actual numbers and statistics on this uh but i have heard in the past that kids are very perceptive and from a very young age and starting with say a gender reveal party where you are at that moment where you reveal the biological sex of your child you are giving your entire tribe your entire community everyone who's shown up the for ability your gender to
1: bring certain things right into you their lives. you
0: are now saying oh okay it's a boy So everyone now knows. Next time we all get together for the baby shower, we need trucks and tools and
1: footballs, footballs and and
0: blue things and you know army trucks and these things. And so we are enforcing this idea on children from the time they are infants. And that's so there might be a biological element to some degree as far as, um, but I feel like a chemical balance. Yeah, I mean, there could be something, maybe, like, some kind of, you know, the same well, way as, as boys and girls get older, one has more testosterone, things like that. Right, there might be a I was actually
1: reading a little bit about um, girls, and I didn't write a lot of this down because I, I wrote so many notes and I had to condense it all down. But I did read something where there is this thing where girls will have certain chromosomes where their their hormones, their biology, will tend to be more, quote-unquote, boyish where that's what we think of as being the tomboy, where Mm -hmm. these girls can tend to sway that other way because of their tendencies and their relation to that gender. Right, but I would be
0: very curious to see if we raised our children in a... Genderless society because it would be there very hard. there are studies that were done uh, for instance you would have rather to keep than them
1: away from everybody
0: <laughs> well no 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 I know but I yeah. mean I'm just saying like as a for instance yeah, because right. there are studies that have been done um, where they instead of referring to them in, as boys and girls had people in their class of both genders wear either blue shirts or red shirts not broken up by gender just some of you wear blue shirts some of you wear red shirts and had the teachers in the classroom then say. Um, instead of ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, say red shirts and blue shirts, reds and blues. And they started dividing themselves and finding yeah. commonalities based on whether they were a red or a blue. That's a really good point. Um, and And attracting that way. And in the same way, if you've ever watched like a video clip of a parent telling their little daughter oh, we found out you're going to have a little brother, and her crying about it, or I cried when I found out my yeah. littlest brother was a boy and not a girl because I wanted a sister so badly, because we align ourselves along- Into what that means. Into what that means. Yeah, so exactly. So it, it does make me wonder that if we yeah. were to be raised in a genderless society, I think some of that biological stuff would stick, Yeah, of course, but I also think- So much of it is conditioning.
1: Well, because of the toys that we give boys and girls, typically preschool-age girls are better at locomotor movements, and boys excel in object control. Having them play together would really benefit both. And there's this theory that male preference for toys and female preference for toys are mediated by inequities in their visual processing, which claims that males and females are pre-programmed to specialize in certain forms of perception. I don't buy into that, but it's something that I read during my research, so I thought I would bring it up. But I think what you just said makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. because we have pre-programmed everything, and well, I think it's going to be
0: impossible for us to know
1: yeah. this because there is never going to be because you don't it's, isolate No, it's, in, it's inhumane, yeah. right? Like <laughs> yeah. in,
0: when you get into any of this nature versus nurture stuff, it's going to be impossible to humanely um, come to a, well, a controlled
1: it's really it's going to come down to our society and what we decide as parents for the next generation what we choose and hopefully that can evolve into eventually having that be true for our children's children or something like that you know so the one thing that all of us want in life i feel like more than anything is acceptance from our peers
0: mm-hmm.
1: and That is something that, especially when you're young, you definitely get split into the boys and the girls. Absolutely. And the girls want to be accepted by their fellow girls. And the boys want to be accepted by their fellow boys. And that's something that, you know, if a girl, this was really interesting. So if a boy is on the playground playing with a doll, it is more likely for that boy to be, Physically and verbally harassed of by his other boys. Yeah. If a girl is seen doing more "quote unquote" tomboy things, playing with boy toys, she is more likely to be ignored. Which I found interesting mm-hmm. because isn't that so true? Like I, I remember being ignored more than I remember being like physically. Right. Yelled at. No,
0: other girls in general, because I feel like most girls go through a "quote unquote" for lack of a better term, tomboy phase. Right. Uh, I don't really like that term. You know, but yeah. but anyway, everyone knows what we mean when we say that. Yeah. So I feel like most girls go through a phase like that. I know that I did. Um, And I don't recall ever being physically assaulted. No, or, you
1: can't do that. Right. Things like that, but yeah. But
0: it absolutely would have been true the other way around. Yeah. Like, for my brother, if he were even to be wearing pink, or like you're talking about tea, and, you know... The idea of the color pink is repulsive it's like, Yeah, his mom came to home him.
1: with pink nail polish, and he was like, Oh, take it off! And she's like, no, I just paid for this. So like, when,
0: when people want to talk about, like, what is toxic masculinity, and where does it come from, and how is it detrimental to our boys and men, which I do think um, we will touch on on this episode, but I also think is deserving of its own episode. Because it's right. that... That whole topic, especially right now, is such an interesting conversation. And I also
1: want to say that I would really like to have a completely separate episode when it comes to transgender. Oh, absolutely. Because we are scratching the surface. So I don't want our listeners thinking that we're, like, leaving out a whole section. Um, Yeah. This is a multifaceted discussion. I feel like... (laughs) We we, had to narrow
0: it down. (laughs) We have not said this in a while. So as a reminder, we are two cisgendered hetero women. Yep. So we are talking about this... You know, in the best way that we know how. And we are In
1: what we've learned. In what
0: we've learned. And like we are bound to mess things up. Feel free to call us in on anything that we have said that's incorrect. Um, write us an email. We have been called out in the past, um and I actually am appreciative of it. Even though I mean
1: the whole thing talking about dead names, I didn't know what that was. Right. I mean
0: and, and even Several times I know that we have been called out for this separately and together for saying things like, you guys. Oh, I always say you because guys. Because it's just, for me, you guys and dudes are interchangeable. Like, yeah. everyone is a guy. Everyone is a dude. But in doing research for this episode, I also see how using gendered language um, can, be can have
1: negative effects. No, and I've and since I got that critique, I've checked my language a lot. I right. really have. It's going to slip I out. Don't want, it is. You know, you know, it's something I always go, hey, guys, what's up? You know, things like that. But I do understand where that comes from, and I do want to be a positive change. So I really am trying to use different language. Um, did you ever have that thing when you were a kid and you were on the playground and you were, like, really good at a sport and it suddenly, like, gave you the acceptance by boys that oh, you Oh, of liked? course. Not like the other girls. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like that plays into it a lot, too, because... The girl that's more into the boy, quote-unquote, things can then be accepted into another group. She can, like, makeup and dolls with her girlfriends. Right. And she can, like, sports and trucks with her guy friends, right. you know? So I feel like there's this need for girls to be able to do both. But if you were to flip it over and if a boy were to be like, hey, guys, I'm going to quick – I'm going to, like, stop kickball for a minute and I'm going to go play, play dolls, dolls mm-hmm. with the girls –
0: He'd that boy be would be excommunicated. Yeah, he'd they, be... they can't
1: do both. Right, and I feel like a lot of that, as we're going to get into talking about teens and parenting, fathers techni- like, tend to uh, be harsher on their sons than their daughters about fitting certain stereotypical Absolutely. roles. Um, they can be hard on their daughters when it comes to more gendered female things, but with things like competitive sports, stuff like that. Right, I, can think be that on their sons. I, I
0: think that there's. I think that there's. In general, I think I agree with you. Most dads, especially, like, in my experience, in, like, black culture, are a lot softer with their daughters. Yeah. Um, and it can cause a lot of damage for sons or boys who are maybe um, softer. You but know, I softer feel like it boys. can also
1: be damaging for girls because it's saying that... It's nurturing the fact that they're sensitive, which I think is great. But I also think that it is giving some girls an out into thinking that they are not strong enough to conquer their emotions, to conquer something where it's like, oh, you didn't, you weren't able to do this? Well, That's fine, sweetie. You the know? most damaging thing that I have seen um, as
0: far as, like, a gendered difference between uh-huh. boys and girls is – so we t- – in, in black culture especially, like, speaking uh-huh. from that perspective – We tend to have a very macho look um, when it comes to boys, and that can often manifest as being very, like, homophobic and, like, other things like that. Don't be a sissy. Fucking be a man. Don't cry. All of those things. Quit crying. Those things. But for girls, and I feel like this is true not only of black communities, but... All communities, or yeah. at least conservative communities, most communities that I've grown up in, we have a different expectation as far as like her behavior act like a lady. Which,
1: honestly, I feel like if a like, I have to tell T all the time because he is a crier when he doesn't get his way, he doesn't like apologizing, he'll mope, he'll cry. And I'm like, stop crying. I would say it to a girl too it's like, you don't need to cry right now, you're fine. Buck right. up. And it's it's not a gendered thing. It's that you need to learn that sometimes I'm going to say no. Sometimes you're going to do the wrong thing. And you're going to need right. to build that thick skin to be able to have a conversation with me like well, an adult. Well, we need to
0: allow our boys to cry whenever they're crying over something truly emotional. Exactly. Um, but with girls, the detriment that I see mostly for girls that is gendered is we police their bodies and uh-huh. we police their sexual behavior. Which I, we're going to talk when we talk about... Yeah. Teenage girls. We we don't we do not do that with boys. Yeah. So many times even girls I know, even girls I know. Um or I shouldn't say girls. That's another gendered language thing. Women. Yeah. Cuz you're not we're not girls, we're women, you know. Yeah. We don't do that with boys, you know, or men. We don't call them boys. Yeah. Um but even with women, they will say like Oh, I wouldn't let my daughter go out and sleep around because she can get pregnant, but I don't really care what my son does. You know what I mean?
1: Well, gender role expectations really do start from where we started this episode from our gender reveal parties. And I want to say, what the definition of gender roles is really quick, which are stereotypes that are culturally based, which create expectations for appropriate behaviors for males and females. They are influenced by the media, family, environment, and society. A child's understanding of these roles impact how they socialize with their peers and form relationships. The gender roles encountered in childhood play a large part in shaping an individual's self-concept and influence how they have relationships in life. And paternal influences really are from the beginning of their lives, the most important thing. And I even look down to the chores that are given to boys Mm -hmm. rather than girls. If you have, let's say, a son and a daughter, and the daughter is typically given uh, the role of housework, helping with dishes, things like that. And the boys are usually not enforced to do those kinds of things. They're not enforced to clean up. Oh, boys will be boys. Well, in
0: my household, it was like, Girls would be responsible for cooking, cleaning, those kinds of things. Boys would be responsible for taking the trash out or yeah. like doing things. Any that, sort of heavy lifting. Any heavy lifting.
1: Yeah. yeah. And and that reinforces to then the girls where their places and to the boys where the girls' places as right. they
0: get older. Absolutely. And also, you know, whenever you're never encouraged to do anything that requires any amount of physical strength
1: you begin to believe it that right. you can't do it mm-hmm. yeah and so this also again goes into your play groups <clears throat> a child's peer group serves serves as a sounding board for what is and is not acceptable way to present themselves there is a book called sex differences in social behavior a social role interpretation the author alice eagley says the ideas the idea that gender roles are a direct result of one's social interactions and that to me Makes me think about kids in L.A. versus kids in the Midwest versus kids raised in the South. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because those are things I know more about, then I kind of know a little bit about the East Coast, but not much. I would say that if I were to be raising a child in more of a non-gendered way, that it would Mm -hmm. be much more difficult to do so in the South or in the Midwest.
0: Yes, because I think that those cultural norms are wrapped up a lot in um, those... In their culture. And in a religious culture. Yeah. I think that, in my experience at least,
1: California is far less... Religious? Well, and I feel like they're also less, like, we must maintain a history kind of thing. Right. We're, they're it, more willing to move forward. California is
0: a newer state in yeah. general than, you know, the South or Midwest states. Um, and those states, there's a reason why it's called the Bible Belt. You know, it's deeply ingrained in Christian religious culture. Yeah. Um, and Christian religious culture is deeply, 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 like, ingrained in gender norms. Definitely. Like, those are drilled into you growing up. You know, the fact that that is, your husband is your head of household. um, And you have to default to him. You have to be submissive to him. The women are supposed to be the ones who take care of all of the housework.
1: For me, it's like, I feel, and I don't think it's necessarily a gendered thing, but it's more of, it's also just more of like, me not being used to somebody else taking care of things, Mm -hmm. but also because I did grow up where my dad didn't clean the house. My mom did it. My mom would take a Saturday Mm -hmm. a month and she would clean the entire house. It wasn't until I was older and my dad was living on his own at the cabin that he started cleaning. And my mom was like,
0: who are you? You've been capable of doing this 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 whole time time. and you haven't?
1: We've been married 35 years
0: and you're just showing me this now? It's crazy. I also want to say... If that's what your relationship looks like and you're a woman and you take care of the cleaning and the cooking. And you're okay with um, that? And, and you're fine with that and that's the way that your relationship operates. Because I have friends that, like, that's the way that their relationship operates. And they're very happy with that dynamic. We are not saying that that is wrong. Like, we are not saying that you cannot conform to your quote-unquote traditional gender stereotype. Yeah,
1: you can wear pink and wear makeup and do the girliest of the girliest things or be a boy and be rough and tumble and whatever. Right. Feminism is true, just your
0: your ability to choose. If
1: that is your authentic self, right. you can't go wrong. Yeah. You know, and if mm-hmm. that's your authentic relationship, you can't go wrong. Yes. So this author also calls the gender social behavior gender stereotypic, meaning the expectations of gender come from our stereotypes. She says, "As a child explores, as a child explores these things in life, that they may enjoy the acceptance or criticism of their peers is crucial in whether or not they will continue to perform in this activity." And that reminded me, of being a figure skater growing up, mm-hmm. we had a group of like five boys that skated when I was like a twelve through sixteen year old at the rink that I skated at, and. All of them were, like, gung-ho on being like, I'm a figure skater, but I'm not gay. <laughs> you know, it like, was this whole okay. thing. Well, one of them was totally gay, and he was like, I have a girlfriend, and all this stuff were like, okay, Jan, whatever. That, that's but, very true in... And I now mean, he's coaching Jonathan Van Ness from Queer Eye, and he's totally out and proud and I wears mean, high heels, and like, yes, you were gay. It's
0: totally true in um, musical theater circles as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like...
1: I like this, but I'm macho. Yeah, you know? but just no. I, I fucking but like I vagina. Fuck, but yeah, fuck, exactly. You know? Well, and it's but it was hard for me to see the straight men have to constantly reinforce prove themselves yeah. and reinforce it because I'm like, I get it, you're straight, whatever. And it
0: shouldn't fucking matter shouldn't because be why are way. we gendering sports? Like, you know, as someone who it's was awful. a cheerleader as well. Like yeah. you know, I was a cheerleader and I was in musical theater, both things that men constantly are having to, um, justify for themselves when in reality, both, you know, cheerleading, gymnastics, figure skating, dancing, all of these things require a massive amount of like physical
1: skill, skill. Yeah. And so it's just like, why, why are we gendering these sports? But because they've been criticized by their peers, if they're doing something and they love it and somebody says, you shouldn't love that, this is wrong. They're going to feel a certain way. There's this whole thing going around. So I love the dance community. I was, I danced when I was little, but I was never a big part of that or whatever. But there's this little boy who he was on, So You Think You Can Dance Juniors. And he was on Dancing with the Stars Junior. And I love him. His name is JT Church. And he's so cute. But he did this whole Instagram post about being bullied for Mm -hmm. being a boy dancer. Mm -hmm. And one of the hashtags was hashtag I dance with your girlfriend, which I thought was so cute, you know. But also at the same time, it's like he doesn't. You don't have to make it straight. You know what I mean? Right. It can just be what it is. I think that's a super cute hashtag, but at the same time, it's like, you don't have to justify it in a way. You can just love dance because you love dance, no matter what your gender is. And again,
0: like, not only are we headed into a more gender-fluid space, but we're also headed into a more sexually fluid space. Like, most people fall somewhere on the spectrum. Yeah. You know... Somewhere on the spectrum between homosexuality and heteronormativity, there's like a lot of shit in between that, and most yeah. people don't fall strongly on one side or the other. Yeah, most people fall somewhere in the middle. Yeah, so for us, or to even make, just
1: like a step, yeah, past. or maybe a
0: step past, or yeah. you know, a, a step before. You know, yeah. it's like people are on this. And I, and I feel like it can also change. Yeah. I feel like it can change as you change.
1: And like, well, it and I new- feel like as a child gets older, they start to see those things and why they're wrong and begin to then um, be okay with what they like. But when you're a child, it really is your peers that mean so much to you, you know?
0: Especially, I, and I think it goes into what we were talking about earlier in regards to, yes, women face girls face their own set of challenges, but boys in particular. So I'm going to read some statistics. Um, and again, we're going to have another episode completely dedicated to toxic masculinity this sometime this year, I think. Um, but boys are more likely to act out. They're more likely to become aggressive when they're young. And we think of them as being bad kids or having some kind of behavioral disorder or something because of their, yeah. the way that they act out. When in general, that can also be a manifestation of depression, um, As they get older, they're more likely to experience addiction issues. They're more likely to commit suicide. Um,
1: Which we talked about in the red pill episode. Right.
0: Less than 50% of boys and men will seek help for mental health issues. Um, Every day, three or more boys commit suicide in the United States. And respect is often linked to violence in male masculinity, toxic masculinity culture. Yeah. You know, they think that, especially in the black community... I've seen this a lot in Latino communities with, like, machismo culture um, where they say, like, don't let anyone disrespect you. Yeah. And the way to not let anyone disrespect you is to act violence. out in physical violence. Exactly.
1: Um, and then and that's another horrible stereotype that we're perpetuating on our boys to stand up for yourself with physical violence. And I don't think that that's good for any child. Um, but that, just what you said with the suicide rates reminded me a lot. Again, in what I was talking about with figure skating, There's this guy, Joe, that I grew up with. He was gay. He was very good friends with another uh, gay skater friend of mine named Brian. And he was – there's not a whole lot of boys in skating. So if there's boys in your state that skate, you kind of know all of them. Mm -hmm. And word got around – he had committed suicide. And word had gotten around after he passed away that the reason that he committed suicide was because he had told his father that he was gay. Mm -hmm. It was Thanksgiving. He couldn't handle it, and he jumped off a bridge. And it was it it was in a national skating magazine Mm -hmm. his story, because and that made me feel good that they weren't shying away from what happened and the reasons why. Right, and that was shocking to me. I was, I mean, not shocking, but like the fact that it was someone that I like knew about. And had heard about and seen compete and skate, and mm-hmm. I had a friend who knew him and that whole thing. I was, like, 12 or 13 years old, and that deeply impacted me and kind of lit a fire in me where I'm like, that's not okay. Nobody should be – should go toward killing themselves because of who they are and who they love.
0: Right. Well, I mean, and so much of that, since we're talking about gender on this episode and not necessarily sexuality, yeah. although I think, you know, the two oftentimes go hand in hand, Um The reason – I think we need to really examine the reason why we are so homophobic as a culture. And especially why men are so homophobic. Uh, You know, fathers are so homophobic towards their gay sons. Yeah. And I think so much of it has to do with what we tell our boys and, like, how we raise them to be, quote-unquote, men. We tell them all the time to, like, man man up. up, Right? Toughen up. Toughen up. And we don't admire – Things that are traditionally feminine.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, that fall within the gender spectrum of, like, femininity. Yeah. Or what we determine to be feminine. So if we don't respect that, if we don't respect women, essentially, we cannot respect these things... That, that are feminine that we in determine our boys. to be feminine in our boys which yeah. oftentimes is interpreted as homosexual.
1: Hmm. You know, it's
0: all tied up yeah, together and exactly. yes, that's all very flawed. <laughs> and it's not my belief, it's just yeah, the exactly. perception.
1: Well, and what's interesting to me too is that children are also very uh, aware of when others around them are bending the gender stereotypes. Like uh, there's a kid in T's class who's got he has long hair. I thought it like I thought They were a girl. They dressed very, like, boyish and things like that. And I, But I was like, oh, it's just a, quote, unquote, tomboyish girl. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's my own limitations being able to see it. And he's like, that's a boy. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. But I've also heard a lot of talk where it's like, why would you let your son grow their hair out? It makes it so difficult to tell who they are. And that, to me, is upsetting because if your son wants to grow out their hair – well, that's what, what not I, a big deal. What
0: I think is upsetting is the emphasis that we have. I think we, as a culture, need to going back to kind of like gender reveal parties. We need to kind of put an example, or put, we need to try and understand, put a microscope on why yeah. it's so important to us. Like, why does it matter to us? Like, why, why do we need to know? Why do we need to know? Why does the emphasis exist at all? Like, because I remember um, my mom would always say that my my older brother. Was a beautiful baby. He truly was. He had long... He still has super long, curly, thick, dark eyelashes. And even though he was bald, which mom was like, he was bald, (laughs) and people still didn't know that he was a boy because he was so pretty, um... You know, where she started, like, ha- making him wear bow ties so that people knew. Or they'll knew.
1: glue a bow in a girl's bald yeah, head, Yeah, right, know? so that
0: you know that it's a girl. And it's kind of like, but why? Like, what is so offensive?
1: About not knowing, yeah. Or
0: about calling a little girl a boy. Yeah. Or calling a little there's boy a girl. There's nothing offensive about there's it. Nothing offensive there's nothing offensive about no it. there's no reason to... Mm-hmm. Th- one is not
1: better than the other. Literally
0: no difference. Yeah. And calling them a boy or a girl...
1: You don't, again, you don't know their gender. Yeah. You cannot determine that. Yeah. And, and again, that might have been my bad for assuming. You know, I'm still in, I grew up in that world where everything was more black and white, more pink and blue. I don't think know? there's
0: anything wrong with uh, assuming. I mean, we see people at, all the time, and we're usually yeah. able to kind of, like, make that call mentally. Yeah. Um, what matters is what you do once you have the information. Like, yeah. that. that's all it is. And w- with a child, it's like, again... You've got T
1: telling you that's a boy, but in general, we don't know. We don't know his gender. Exactly. Exactly. So we're getting close to an hour here, so let's talk a little bit about teenagers. So I wrote a few bullet points here that we can talk about, such as dress code for boys and girls, Mm -hmm. how it differs. I went to a very, 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 very Catholic middle school, and if boys had hair that touched their ears, a science teacher would give them haircuts. What? Yes. Oh, my
0: God, I'd be so fucking furious if yeah, someone touched this my guy, kid's hair.
1: this guy, Andy, would always grow his hair out to, like, his collarbones over the summer, and then you'd have to get, like, a buzz cut right before school every I would year.
0: be furious if someone touched my
1: boy's hair. Yeah. Like, seriously. Yeah, because it's not their fucking right. No. It's not their right at all. And I remember being, I remember he got a haircut from the science teacher one day, and he was crying. And I felt such rage. And I was like, that's not
0: okay. It just doesn't make sense either. It's just like, it does not make sense. Like, the length of your hair has no
1: bearing on your sexuality. Well, and it's like, I'm wondering, like, is that what they were, because I was young. It's like, is that what they were getting at? Or did they, know. what's the reason? I don't know. Like, it's just so bizarre. And then with girls, we have such a strict dress code about, you know, how many fingers length, width is your strap. How long are your shorts? How long are your shorts and your skirts and your uniforms? Things like that. Where we have this weird modesty thing with women that is so fucked up. And that goes into more than just school. Um, It's a lot of times, like you said, I would never let my daughter go out of the house like that. Right. My mom was chastised a lot because I dressed much older when Mm -hmm. I was little. I remember wearing like a tube top and a denim miniskirt to a wedding. But it was a kind of a nicer denim miniskirt. And I was like, I'm super cute. Oh, no, it was gaucho pants. It was black gaucho pants. But I was wearing a, like a bedazzled tube top. And people were like chastising my mother for it. It may have been more because it was a wedding. <laughs> you <laughs> wore a tube top to a wedding, <laughs> It was the 2000s, Keegan. It was a, It was pretty. It, ha- it was bedazzled, Keegan. Um, and then I remember to my grandma's funeral, I wore, it wasn't like a mini, mini skirt, but it was like a black skirt that went like mid-thigh. And then I had this sweater from Abercrombie that cut up higher, but I wore a tank top under it. And it just kind of went off the shoulder. Like, Mm -hmm. not really. It was kind of, like, on the edges of my shoulder bones. Mm -hmm. And I remember my aunt going up to me and my mom and saying, do you really think that's acceptable right now? And, like, I was completely covered. Like, there was nothing wrong with it. And I wore a lot of things back then that I commend my mom for never hypersexualizing because Mm -hmm. I was a young girl and gave me the ability to wear what I wanted to wear and express myself in the way that I wanted to express myself without... I mean, I wore super short shorts. Like, I wore booty shorts in high school Mm -hmm. and when I was younger because I thought I looked cute. Yeah. Whatever. And I was used to wearing little short skirts for skating and stuff. So I was like, fuck it. I'm like, I don't need to be super covered up. But there were so many other people around me that had such a weirdness about what I wore at such a young age. I had a shirt. We have talked about where I had a shirt that said hottie. And my coach didn't want me to wear the hottie shirt. You right. Know?
0: I mean, for me, I think, again, as a parent, I think you make whatever calls you feel necessary. I think a lot of parents, it's less about... Hypersexualizing their children, and more about a fear of their children being around predators. I think is more of of a, yeah. what a lot of that is. But for but me, you shouldn't
1: put the focus on the child. It should be the focus on the, the danger
0: outside of that. And I think for me, when talking about like gendering that, it's that we put so much pressure on girls that does not get placed on boys. I think that yeah. that's the the issue to me is yeah. that like. We put the onus on the woman so often, or the girl so often. Oh, when often. a girl
1: wears a bikini for the first time, where boys have been shirtless their whole lives, And what are you, you know? telling
0: boys? Like, what are you telling boys? You're telling them that it's okay to not be able to control themselves around girls when they they when don't wear clothes because way. it's their fault. And then
1: they're creating future predators. Right, Here's exactly. the problem. Yeah. It's so messed up. Um, Something that I found interesting about my life with my dating life, Mm -hmm. how my dad reacted and how my mom reacted to my dating life. My father is the most awkward human being on the planet, so he, of course, never had any real conversations with me about my dating life. Um, But men, fathers tend to be very um, grossed out by their daughter's sexuality, by the fact that they're starting to date. Mm -hmm. They get very protective. But then with their sons, it's like, yeah, go get them, son. Like, go get them, Yeah, crack open a beer with you. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the other thing. How we treat girls who party in high school, how we treat boys who party in high school. A girl that drinks too much, a boy that drinks too Mm -hmm. much. We have these expectations on girls and boys because we are telling our girls that it's their responsibility to keep the boys in line. Right. Yeah. And when they drop their guard themselves. They can't and when they drop their guard with their clothes, with their drinking, with who they're dating, they are at fault. Right. And that's really messed up. And it's something that I feel like parents don't even understand they're doing when they're um, behaving certain ways. Like, my mom, I would have my boyfriend in high school over all the time. I was not sexually active in high school at all. I think my dad thought that I was sleeping around or something. Because my mom, like, the door would be closed. We'd be in the TV room hanging out. My dad would, like, knock open the door, like, every 10 minutes. And I'm like, what do you think I'm doing in here? Right. I mean, and
0: I I disagree with it completely. I understand how a parent, especially a parent who is from, like, the baby boomer generation can be like, well, we don't want to get these girls in trouble because these boys can just leave. Yeah. And where the woman is usually the one who's ending up saddled with the responsibility. Yeah. So they feel like... <laughs> I was like- always the
1: one that broke up with boys. <laughs> <voice. laughs> right.
0: But, no, I mean, like, what I mean is, like, they don't want to get you in trouble, meaning they don't want to get you pregnant because no. the boy can just Leave. leave. And, and the girl the is stuck with the responsibility. But so I think they put the pressure on girls way more because they they know that the girl is the one who's going to be saddled with right. that responsibility. But do
1: you want a solution to that problem? Talk to your child gonna, openly. And talk to your sons. And talk to your sons openly. Because for me, if my dad had had one conversation about me, about my dating life, or my, I mean, it would have been weird because my dad had never talked to me about anything personal. So I would have been like, I'm not talking to you. But if that was a relationship that we had... And he knew who I was, where I stood on sexu- on my sexuality, where I stood with my dating life, what boundaries I'd set for myself with the guy that I was with. Mm-hmm. I feel like there wouldn't have been as much of an issue. Well, And, and I feel like that's what's important. If there is a, a line of communication that is accepting and open and that you're able to not feel like you need to like police your daughter's sexuality, that it would be a little bit different. It's also a very weird thing because
0: fathers and men in general, you always hear fathers say, right, like when their girls are young, they'll be like, I'm not letting my little girl date until she's 30 because men are shitty and dangerous. Well, then raise your boys better. And then (laughs) whenever you're like, hey, men are shitty and dangerous, they're like, hey, you can't say that about men. (laughs) And I'm like, well... You, you just did. <laughs> you raised us to believe yeah. that men are predators, that they're yeah. always looking to... And that's our responsibility. ...get something from us, and yeah. that it's always our responsibility. But then at the same time, you hate it when we generalize all men this way. Yeah. So it's just like, but you raised us Because boys this. can't be trusted.
1: Men. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's so weird and backwards and Well, twisted. and that's the thing is you just have to check yourself. You know, I think that these are good conversations to have now that neither of us have kids that we can have as much information as we have and the more we learn the more we can know how we want to parent our children what we want to look out for what we're looking for in a partner what our partner should be aware of and making sure that we are raising children in a way that suits us and in a way that is healthy for that child yeah yeah so i really enjoyed this conversation yeah yeah i realized
0: that um we kind of went off in a lot of different directions because this this Topic is so multifaceted right. and there are so many but issues wanted, here. I
1: wanted to touch on childhood in general right I'm glad you know?
0: that I'm glad that we touched on all the issues I think eventually we will have an episode on toxic masculinity in general I think we will have an episode on modesty and the modesty myth in yeah. general and like what that means um but it's good to see how all of those play in together with this idea of gender and I really really hope that we are moving into a more gender fluid society right I really hope that we can put less pressure on our children to be XYZ and, and kind to of Allow them to grow into who they are, whatever that means, and yeah. if that looks like a traditional gender role, to go ahead and nurture that. If it doesn't, to nurture that as well. Yeah. Um, and I think we are. I think we are moving in that direction. Yeah, it's, at least in
1: the bubble that we're in. <laughs> so. Well, and I think we're in a very
0: weird time right now where we're moving in that direction, but we're also stuck in this, like, social media
1: posturing. Yeah. Where we're, like... in the Trump world, yeah, there's. It's a lot. It's a lot happening <laughs> yeah, right now. It is. So, I really, really enjoyed this. Um, for any of our listeners who have experienced any of this stuff, I really, really want to hear from you. We really want to hear from you. Any of our trans listeners, any of our gender fluid listeners, anything like that. If, you have, if there's any stories you want to share, we want to share those stories with everybody listening. They're so important. Um, it's so important for us to to learn more and more so that we can further. Uh, discuss and educate people who are listening in a proper way. We don't want to be saying the wrong things. Right. And if we did, if we did say something wrong, we're happy to correct ourselves on a yeah. future episode. Please be
0: nice. Um, yeah. We always <laughs> like to say, we like to say instead of calling us out, which sounds very aggressive, call us in. Let yeah. us know because it's not for lack of... Wanting the knowledge and education, right? We have
1: the best of intentions. Yeah. So, that we but
0: say. that's that's not to say that we get everything right one hundred percent of the time. Exactly. We we don't. So, if you know something we don't know, point us towards a source. Point us towards a study that we can
1: read up. Tell on. us a story yeah. about yourself. Anything like that. Like we really do appreciate it because that's the whole point of this is for us to learn new things and for the people listening to learn new things. Yeah. So, if you have any of those stories, if you have sister solidarity stories, motherhood stories, coming out stories, anything that you want to share with us, ideas for episodes, shoot us an email at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. DM us and follow us on Instagram at angryneighborhoodfeminist. Check out our Twitter, which we're going to try to be better at. I swear I mean it this time. It's at Podcast, Y-A-N-F podcast. Thank you for harmonizing Mm -hmm, with me this time. Uh, We've got a business page and a group page on Facebook. Go ahead and check it out. Talk with your fellow ragers. It would be great. We love seeing it. Um, We are on the, I can't remember what it's called again, the indie list to watch on Radio Public? I think so. Something yes. like that. Something like that. So thank you guys for listening on Radio Public. And if you don't already, please do it. It really helps us so much. And we really appreciate it. The other thing that helps us so much is by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on iTunes. It really does make a difference. We really appreciate it. You'll be featured on Reviews Day Tuesday on Instagram. We really, really like it. So thank you. Yep. Yeah. Keegan, um, when is your live show for My Worst Date? Oh my gosh. It's coming up so soon. So if you want to come see...
0: Uh, Me do a live show for my other podcast, My Worst Date. That is February 8th and 9th at the Actors Workout Studio in North Hollywood. Um, It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have wine in the lobby. There's going to be some giveaways. Uh, So we're going to have a really good time. So if you're in the L.A. area and that's something that you would be interested in, definitely come on out. You can find tickets or you can listen to that podcast on our website, myworstdatepodcast.com.
1: Sweet. Yeah. So, you guys, with all of that being said, we encourage you. Suray, to to John, Bye. Here's a quick question for you. How did you sleep last night? If your battle for a good night's sleep feels relentless, I have the answer. It's a podcast called Sleep Wave, with meditations and hypnosis created to
0: help you fall asleep. My relaxation techniques will help you feel calm and
1: ready for sleep with soft music that will help you fall asleep in minutes. Most listeners never hear the end of an episode. So search sleepwave on your favorite podcast app and find out why over a million people have fallen asleep to my voice.